the free for all roundtable. Round two. Make an appointment to listen with your smart speaker, and you're going to be listening this morning to Sanira Chowdhury, an employment lawyer at Workley Law, uh, Queen's Park Borough Chief for the Toronto Star, Robert Benzie, and Richard Krause, host of the podcast Last Call and a frequent contributor here on News Talk 1010. Good morning to you all. Good morning. Okay, so I'm going to start off with um, uh, the uh, Metrolink story and uh, turn to you first, Robert. Uh, I've been kind of defending Phil Verster, and maybe as a media person you would find this to be uh, not acceptable to defend uh, his uh, <laughs> lack of uh, stating a date on which the Eglinton LRT will open, but I think he's moved off the initial position, which was we're going to have an update and give you no update, to one where we're having updates <laughs> and giving a little bit of an update, but without naming a date that I think he honestly believes as yet he shouldn't give because he'll simply let people down. But you tell me what your perspective is sitting where you do. Well, John, as you know, everyone has a boss and Phil Verster's boss is the yeah, Premier of Ontario. And, and I don't think the Premier's office wants Mr. Verster to put out a date. And I think part of the problem is the Confederation line in Ottawa. They see what happened there, that it's an LRT that opened and there have been nothing but problems. So they know they're very worried about opening this thing up and then finding there's tons of problems. That being said, it only took five years to build the original Young Subway from Eglinton to Union, and that's like late 1940s, early 1950s. And I, I think I, I don't blame the people who live along Eglinton. Many of my friends and family live that way, and I can understand their frustration because this thing has taken far too long. It's not launching someone to the moon. It's it's a it's an LRT line. So it, it and you'd think that the technology in this country would have been proven by now, but apparently not. It's a really good point, Sanira. I mean, you know, because that applies not just to the Eglinton LRT, but even the dates they're setting for the Ontario line, and they're moving ahead. I mean, Premier Doug Ford has sort of, I think, issued the, the uh, you know, the DEFCON four orders to get this thing done, this $40 billion transit plan. But it, it does seem to take a long time, and that does add to the pressure to name a date. But I still think we're better off not to have a date that means nothing. In other words, when you name one, know that you're going to open it that day, no ifs, ands, or buts. I agree with you on that piece. And I think the the other thing is if we're hearing that the CEO of Metrolinx is saying he's concerned about the signaling system, the software, which to a layperson like me means if you're not sure that uh, trends are going to avoid one another when they're crossing paths, we don't have much of a choice. We've got to wait until um, Metrolinx has that ironed out. But the fact that it's still a wrinkle four years after the delivery date, I mean, this was supposed to be delivered in 2020. A huge question mark, I think, for everybody um, in Toronto. But it also, uh, I think the question is, is where is the fire under the feet, so to speak, of Metrolinx to get it done? Is there a call? Absolutely, this should, should be rolled out in 2024 because we don't even know that yet for Metrolinx. The, the CEO hasn't even come out to confirm it's even going to be rolled out this year, despite the fact it's, it's been built. So, I mean... I, I think there's got to be a call for a, some finality here, not just that it's going to be an update uh, to update later down the road and we can c continue to kick this ball, which is quickly turning into a hot potato. Well, Senator, I think that's a very good point. And there should be some declaration of saying, well, we're darn well going to get this done. And they've kind of sort of kind of sort of been saying that. Richard, I'll just ask you about the different aspect of this so we can move on to a different set of uh, subjects. Uh, it is good news that riders at long last, I mean, I literally announced this very same thing with Premier Kathleen Wynne five or six years ago, that they can move back and forth between the TTC and the Go Transit for the lower fare. Because a lot of people were not using Go because it was more expensive, mm -hmm. when in fact, it's actually more convenient for them or less crowded. So I guess that is the good news part of their appearance yesterday. They did not name a date on Eglinton, but they did say we're going to move ahead with this fair integration. 
And this is really good news. Uh, it's good news because Go Transit, depending on where you're coming from, is probably faster, uh, more convenient in a lot of places. But it, again, it was more expensive and people didn't take it. So that's all great news. But in the larger point, I think if it gets more people coming downtown, uh, we need that. We need yes. more people coming downtown. Yeah. I was in working in Victoria, BC this weekend, and Victoria, BC has bounced back. It seems that every city that I go to has bounced back in a way that Toronto just simply hasn't yet. Uh, the downtown is uh, by and large empty after about six o'clock on the weekends. Uh, you know, restaurants and bars are, are suffering. Uh, every other place that I go, there were lineups to get into places in Victoria for the newlywed and nearly dead. Victoria, <laughs> sleepy little Victoria was busy this weekend. Which camera and, uh, were you in? <laughs> I, 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 I was all I over the place, but I was I working. I, but, I didn't know. I mean, I... You you were there to study the other two groups, uh, no? But I think that's a fair point. And I and I we were commenting earlier this morning that insolvencies, business insolvencies in the country yeah. are up forty one percent, and the experts are saying that there could be worse to come. And it is a lot of people that are not just going broke now because of some particular thing that happened with interest rates, but rather it's the aftermath of the pandemic and the failure of people mm -hmm. to come back downtown. In fact, in that study about the business insolvencies, it's specifically referred to uh, downtown traffic or lack thereof as being a huge contributor to a lot of these businesses uh, going under. So point uh, point well taken. Can I move on to this? Uh, well, let me just have a quick one with you, uh, hopefully quick, because I don't I don't think there's much to be said about this. The stories back in the news of this Nazi veteran who was introduced to Parliament, and that was a terrible error and, and, and was embarrassing for the country and all when Zelensky was there. Uh, now it turns out he was also invited uh, on the recommendation of the Ukrainian Canadian Congress, but through the protocol office, which is somehow connected to the Prime Minister's office to some reception, the Prime Minister gave in Toronto for a thousand people. I mean, to me, we should move on from this. They should make the changes they need to make to these invitation protocols so these kinds of things don't happen. But we should not be taking up our time when we could be discussing integration of transit systems or the future of the economy or something more important. But uh, maybe, uh, Robert, you would disagree with that. No, no, I agree with you, John. I, and, I, and this is one of these things... I mean, even when it happened in the on the Hill, my 19-year-old son who's in second year university said to me afterwards, said, well, wait a minute. They said that he was fighting the Russians in, in, 19, in the 1940s. Does that mean he was on the side of Nazi Germany? And I said, I guess, he, I guess it does. So, so I mean, if, if, a, if a university student can, who knows a little bit about history can be a pay attention, perhaps the people who vet these kinds of things. And John, you've been around prime minister's offices before. You know that there is a huge amount of uh, of of red tape as I guess it is to make sure that uh, public officials aren't put in embarrassing positions like this. So this is a this is a really a big fail on part of the PMO. I will say, in fact, Robert, because you were at Queens Park when I was the opposition leader there, and I spent my entire life trying to avoid situations that would give you any reason yep. to write me up for inviting <laughs> the wrong person or something or wearing the wrong yep. colored tie or anything. I mean, my God, I mean, I spent half my life in fear of what Robert Benzi might say about me. So <laughs> times have changed. Anyway, uh, Richard, is it time to move on from that? I think it's time to move on for that. We have, uh, we understand what the issue is. We uh, have debated it. It's been talked about. I really doubt that anything like this will happen again. Uh, it's time to focus on the stuff I think that uh, keeps the cities and the country moving, which is transit and all the other large issues that we have that really need taking care of. Sanir, I'm going to move on from that. And you're, I think, the youngest on here by probably a considerable margin. But there's this uh, comment. <laughs> 
commentary out out here that uh, no offense to the rest of you or myself, but uh, the Gen Z is saying to um, uh, to the millennials, ditch your wallets. It's old fashioned if you carry one. I must say, I still carry one and find it quite useful. Uh, but uh, do you think this again is something that actually is the way of the future that people will just have their phones and there will be no wallets going forward? And I don't know that we should criticize anybody who carries one any more than we criticize people who read the newspaper like me. I mean, an actual newspaper. But what do you think about this whole wallet thing? Well, I I have a wallet. I don't use it much. When I'm out during the day, for example, when I, by the time I get to the office, if I'm going to get a copy, I have my phone and I have my, um, of course, I have my credit card loaded on there, my debit card, and I'm just tapping away most of the time. Um, and, and now we have, I think the interact limits have increased from 200 to 250 during the pandemic. So if you're just going around, um, you know, picking up lunch, it's great not to have to walk around with a wallet. I don't see most folks in, in my office who are uh, in their 20s. I mean, I don't see a wallet anywhere around. I don't see folks walking around uh, at all with even purses anymore. You see little fanny packs. But really, I think I think the wallet is going to be a relic of the past for sure. Oh, my goodness. You agree with that, Richard? I think it's probably right. I have a wallet and I have it with me at all times. And I find more and more I don't use it. Like Sonera, everything's loaded on my phone and uh, I tap my credit card and all that sort of thing. Uh, but there's something for me that's kind of comforting about having the 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 wallet. It feels tangible. It doesn't feel like, uh, I mean, you could always lose your phone. You can lose your wallet as well. But the phone, if it runs out of a battery, then where's my credit card? It's gone. If I, you know, all that stuff. I need... I, I want the old-fashioned creature comfort of having a wallet in my pocket that has all my stuff in it. Do you know what I've actually found, Robert, is that I, I, I still carry the wallet, but now because of what Richard said, which is your phone is used for so many things that I now carry in my pocket. So I want to talk about bulky things in your pocket. I carry one of those little chargers that in an emergency, <laughs> I can actually plug into yeah. my bloody phone to get it going again. So I, that if you, you, you lose the wallet and you gain the charger, but are, you're, you're, I, I assume you probably stu- still do carry a wallet, Robert? Because I'm old, John. No, I, 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 you I didn't know, say I, that. I, I, I did say you were around I, when I was opposition leader, so that makes you a certain age. But anyway, I, I'm a man of a certain age. Yeah, you started I, when I, you were um, twelve. Yeah, there you go. I, you know what, John? One of the strange things about the pandemic is I stopped carrying cash around, and because mm. I stopped carrying cash, I stopped carrying my old bulky wallet, and I now just have a little billfold, not a, just a little thing that holds my credit cards and my driver's license. So it's very thin. Um, but I'm, I'm, and I've used my, my Apple pay a few times at coffee shops and so on, but I'm still a, a little suspicious of that. So I still get out my visa card and tap to, to, to pay, uh, to pay for things. But I guess I'm in between Sanira and you, John, on this one. Yeah, I, I I actually gave my daughters-in-law for Christmas those little tiny, I know what you're talking about, little things that hold maybe three or four cards, because frankly, the ones you still have to carry. Because I think that even though uh, somebody said earlier, it might have been Mark Tui uh, here, that uh, their child had uh, produced their health card on their phone, they still don't want that. They want you to produce yeah, it. They want yeah. to see both sides yeah. of it. So uh, there are certain things, and you know, people may say, why would you carry your health card around? Well, because, uh, you know, the moment you end up in the hospital or at some yeah. doctor's office unexpectedly, that's what you need. Anyway, these are the things that... Uh, evolve over time like everything else and uh, that's why we have the roundtables to discuss all of this and I thank you all very much uh, Sanira Chowdhury, Robert Benzi and Richard Krause. Thanks very much and have a great day. 
Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.